And now, more Educate on TalkZone.com. Here's Jonathan Jefferson. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to the show and our discussion on the topic of understanding the Common Core state standards. My next guest is Dr. Clifford Swayze. Dr. Clifford Swayze believes that all students have the capacity to study higher level mathematics and that barriers need to be lifted so that all students have access to the most rigorous levels of mathematics they wish to pursue. Dr. Swayze has been working in the field of education for more than 30 years. He has taught at the elementary, middle, and high school levels, and he has been a K-12 administrator for 14 years. He earned his doctorate in educational leadership from St. John's University and is currently the director of mathematics for the Uniondale Public Schools in New York. Cliff, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, John. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, Cliff, why do you believe that all students have the capacity to study higher level mathematics? Well, in my experience, uh, the, the greater opportunities we provide for students, the greater they perform. Um, I believe in lifting barriers uh, that are currently uh, utilized, uh, really that serve as gatekeepers for, for uh, allowing students into higher level mathematics. For an example, uh, AP coursework, advanced placement coursework, uh, school districts have all these criteria that they use to decide whether or not students should be allowed to take an AP course. Um, in the middle schools, uh, and sometimes as early as fourth grade, uh, school districts decide which students should be in the accelerated math program. And uh, the the criteria that they use for making these decisions are very arbitrary. Uh, I did a study uh, regarding uh, criteria that are used in 14 districts in Westchester, and um, they were all different. Uh, a student could be an accelerated uh, student in one district and not in another. Um, you know, there are there are people that are gatekeepers. Uh, uh, I interviewed one uh, of my colleagues, as a matter of fact, a director of mathematics, who said, uh, "Well, he keeps the he makes the final decision, and he's not putting anybody in who doesn't deserve it." So, what does that mean? You know, what does deserving it mean? Um, mm. But what I found is that when students are given the opportunity to decide with proper guidance, of course, you know, you're going to let a, a, a student who doesn't have the a foundation in, in mathematics take an AP course, but students uh, who don't quite make those cutoff uh, scores for the criteria that, that are arbitrarily set by school districts, uh, a lot of those kids that don't quite make it actually will make it if you allow them to, and, and, and when they've expressed the desire to, uh, that motivation to succeed uh, trumps all the, all those criteria that we set up that blocks access. Now, I, I, I'm glad you mentioned that because um, my school, I never knew when I was in high school, I never knew if there was a criteria. I just knew that, you know, when I was done with, uh, they were doing sequential math. When I was done with sequential math three, they allowed me to go into advanced placement calculus. And uh, I remember the teacher, Dr. Feinstein, he was so good that we would run to calculus class 
so that we can, you know, break down the formula he put on the board before the class started. I mean, so we were really excited about um, about calculus. And I know people who are who have struggled in math when they hear that, they say, oh, my God, that's that's crazy. You must have been a nerd. And I, I don't think so. I just <laughs> I just had teachers that made it made it very enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you hit on another point there, and, and that is uh, a lot of my colleagues in, in the field of mathematics education believe that uh, learning mathematics is a sequential uh, process and you have to have. Uh, prerequisite knowledge before you can move on to anything. And I think, quite frankly, that's a lot of hogwash. <laughs> mm. I, uh, I know that students can be excited about mathematics when you introduce them to calculus at a young age. Um, there are ideas in calculus that can be uh, communicated to a fourth or fifth grader, which can excite them and make them want to pursue mathematics, make them want to do better at the level at which they are. So uh, I really don't take that uh, to be true. I think that students can jump ahead uh, and be successful, and you're a prime example. See, most people, uh, most math educators would say, well, if you didn't take pre-calculus, you can't be an AP calculus. Um, <laughs> and, and so you're, you're uh, proof that that's not true. Uh, there are ways to, to fill in the gaps if one is interested. Um, a notion that I, that I have that I, that I talk about with people from time to time is something I call incidental learning. Uh, that's, that's when you learn uh, the things you need to know because you're interested in learning something else, you're applying it. I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, most of us in the, who, who have studied mathematics will, will probably admit that we really didn't learn arithmetic until we studied algebra. Hmm. And most of us would probably also realize that we really didn't learn algebra until we started to study calculus. So the learning of mathematics and the prerequisite knowledge that so many people think is so important and you can't go forward without it, uh, it is, is learnable uh, while you are endeavoring in something that you find interesting, something that you want to do. And now, when you say that, the first thing that came to mind, especially when you mentioned you know, third and fourth graders and calculus, first thing that came to mind is the game of chess. You know, and students start the game of chess very young and become masters at a very young age because of, uh, they have a passion for it. And I kind of, I see the same with, with, uh, with, with calculus or with high level mathematics that if there's a passion for it, as you stated, at a very young age, you can, you can engage in it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, you know, mathematics is a language and the research shows that we learn language at a, at a very young age. Um, the idea of beginning foreign language in elementary school is catching on because students acquire a second language as easily as they acquire their first language if they study it at a young age. Well, mathematics is another language. And higher level mathematics ideas can be talked about with very young children. And, mm. uh, like I said, I believe it, it excites them. It, it creates interest in, the, in what really is the beauty of mathematics. We focus too much on calculation in the elementary school, uh, calculation uh, and computation. Uh, and, and we 
focused on algorithms and procedures, and we expect kids to memorize all these procedures. And, you know, some of us do memorize them, and they end up being those kids that get put in the accelerated group and uh, because they're good, they're good at memorizing and they're good at devising strategies to please their parents and to please the teacher. And uh, they're self-motivated and they're responsible, and they want to uh, do their best, and they end up memorizing all these facts and procedures that are that we use in mathematics, but 80% of us don't memorize them. We can't, and there's mm-hmm. too many. And that's why we really need to focus more on conceptual understanding in mathematics so that kids don't get turned off at an early age. And uh, most important, John, if, you, if I may say, uh, when we select students through all these sets of criteria, which are different from district to district, uh, when we select that group, what do we say to the other kids mm. that aren't put in, in, that, in that group? Well, whatever age we select our accelerated kids, we say to the rest of the population, you're not good enough. And the kids get that message as soon as they hear who's in the accelerated class, they get that message and it sinks in. It becomes part of their identity. I'm no good in math. That's why I'm mm. not in, in that group. I'm not with those kids. So you're telling 20% of the population that they're good and you're telling 80% of the population that they're not good. So that's that's something that we need to change as educators to not allow that to happen, not to send those messages. Because, John, I don't know if you've uh, gone to dinner with colleagues recently, but I have, and it happens every time I go to dinner with a, with, with a large group. I get past the check, and I get past the check down five or six people, and each one of them says, well, pass it to Cliff. He's good at math. I'm no good at math. <laughs> so, so, so I get the check, and everybody at the table is espousing their enumeracy. <laughs> My question is, would any one of them espouse their illiteracy? if they were illiterate. So numeracy is the goal of the Common Core, if we were going to talk about the Common Core. Numeracy is the goal, and it's about making numeracy as important and as relevant as literacy. Yeah, you know, and it's 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 been, I guess, more it's been more than 20 years since one of my favorite movies, Stand and Deliver, which I believe was based on true accounts, um, it starred Edward James Olmos and uh, Lou Damian Phillips, who was a student in, in his class. And here it is. There were kids in the barrio out in California who had many def- deficits, both in their, you know, their their personal lives, their home lives and in school. And yet in a hot, sweltery summer, he was able to get all of those kids to, um, I believe, ace um, advanced placement calculus. Mm-hmm. Um, are you familiar with the with, with stand and deliver? Absolutely. John is one of the movies that inspired me to to become the best math teacher I could become. Excellent. Um, that movie, really, the the thrust of that movie is desire. He called it ganas in, in Spanish. So mm-hmm. desire, the desire to do something that you thought you couldn't do, and he convinced those kids that if they had the desire that they could do something spectacular, and they did. And, uh, you know, uh, the Aztecs and the Mayans uh, were, 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 uh, a culture, were cultures that invented mathematics. Many ideas of mathematics come from ancient times or in Hispanic cultures. And, mm-hmm. and the problem is our kids don't realize it. 
Yeah. They don't realize Excellent. that their ancestors are responsible for higher-level mathematics. Absolutely. Cliff, Cliff, I don't mean to, Cliff, I don't yeah. mean to cut you off, but at this yeah. time we need to take a short break. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more right after this. You're listening to Educate on TalkZone.com. Back to Jonathan Jefferson. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to the show and our discussion with my special guest, Dr. Clifford Swayze. Uh, Cliff, let's let's take a bite out of the uh, Common Core State Standards. Uh, does the Common Core State Standards provide students with the most rigorous levels of mathematics? If you talk about rigor, it, it's it's hitting the mark. Uh, the car, the items we've seen on tests, uh, the curriculum itself is highly, highly rigorous. It's really ramping up expectations, not only for kids, but for teachers. Okay. That's, uh, that's excellent. And, and I, that's, I said to my previous guests and, and, you know, that if, if people truly knew what the standards were, they would have no issue with it because who would, who would have an issue with, you know, holding your children accountable for a high level of learning? Uh, I think there's a lot of misinformation that's caused a lot of, uh, strife and there's, and there's some misuse out there on the part of the state and how they're evaluating teachers and principals that have also caused, uh, caused some strife. Would you agree, agree with that? Yes, John. And a lot of it could have been avoided very easily. And I, I'll mm. tell you, my greatest criticism of the state is not that they've uh, come up with these really a wonderful set of standards, uh, and and it's not it's not as much about what we're teaching as how we have to teach it. Uh, okay. So, uh, in a nutshell, uh, in mathematics especially, uh, kids have to develop critical thinking skills. They have to uh, really think at higher levels. They have to be able to analyze information to synthesize information with what they know. They need to be uh, able to evaluate each other's work, uh, to evaluate uh, questions on a test. So there's uh, a lot of higher-order thinking involved, and that requires teachers to present the information differently. You can't just put a topic up, say, okay, today we're going to learn how to add fractions. Here's how you add fractions. Step one, step two, step three, step four, now you do it. And practice mm-hmm. these problems. You know, it's, no, it's, not, it's not about drill and kill anymore. Mm-hmm. It has to be about getting kids to think. Why do you invert a fraction when you're dividing fractions? Why do you invert the second fraction and multiply? Why does that happen? And, mm-hmm. and, and getting kids to investigate why it happens, to build conceptual understanding around that, uh, that's that's the key. Okay. But, mm-hmm. Yeah, now in, a, in an earlier episode of my show, a gentleman that you introduced uh to myself, actually introduced him to the group. He spoke on Singapore math. Does the Singapore math curriculum address the rigor you wish to see? Well, I, it just so happens, John, I, I, I uh, was a Singapore math trainer uh, for a while, and, uh, you know, I learned a great deal by uh, helping teachers understand Singapore mathematics. But uh, the Common Core really is based on Singapore mathematics. Mm. Uh, and I'll tell you why. Uh, you know, we were not doing well and still are not doing well in terms of how we compare with other nations. The TIMS exam, which is given yearly, uh, 
um, not yearly, but every few years, examines uh, outcomes on the same assessment um, across countries. And Singapore and Hong Kong, uh, Singapore oh, usually ends up number one in grade four and grade eight math. So the people who designed the Common Core, one of the things they, they considered was, well, why aren't we doing well comparatively to other countries? So they zoomed in on Singapore. They spent a great deal of time with the people who designed the Singapore curriculum, and they, they uh, really tore it apart, unpacked it, and they repackaged it as the Common Core, really. So Singapore okay. mathematics is, 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 the, is the basis of Singapore is, is numeracy. It's getting kids to understand numbers without memorizing facts. So uh, at an early age, beginning in kindergarten and first grade, kids play with the numbers, and they learn relationships of numbers, and they're not given algorithms to member, memorize until third and fourth grade. And even then, they're introduced to algorithms, but they're also introduced with multiple ways of solving mathematics problems. So in the United States, traditionally, we've been taught uh, algorithms, which, which is a procedural approach to math, uh, and we've been taught that this is the way you do it. Here's the algorithm. And you memorized it or you didn't. So Singapore kind of steps away from that uh, paradigm and tries to help kids develop numeracy and understanding of numbers and insight about numbers, about place value, about number relationships, and also tries to... Um, uh, provide strategies that work across the operation okay. so that when kids learn addition, they can apply ideas to multiplication, division, to subtraction, so that they're, they're learning things that help them transfer their understanding to new situations. Okay. And, and I think it's important also that um, parents and, and the layperson know that the standards were developed with a, a, a serious review of what was working in the United States and what's working uh, internationally. And that's, I guess, one of the reasons Singapore math ended up coming into play in the development of the standards. They they really did in the development look at what's, what's best and what's working worldwide and here at home and, and creating these standards. Well, uh, one of the strategies they use in Singapore is called bar modeling. And the, the state, what they did was, or, or the Common Core developers that necessarily the state, you know, it was a national effort. So the developers of the Common Core, they, they looked at bar modeling, and they now they, they call it tape diagram. So it's the same strategy with a different name. So bar modeling, which is a very effective strategy, Singapore kids do so well on math assessments because they learn this strategy that really is a strategy that helps them solve more than 80% of just about any math word problem that we could put on a test. So mm. these kids learn the strategy at a very young age, and now you give them any math test, and they're able to successfully navigate the test because they have this strategy that is applicable. So that's just one example of how the state or how the Common Core developers of mathematics curriculum, they really followed the Singapore model. And here's one example. The bar modeling, they call it tape diagrams. Okay. Now, let me ask you this. Uh, in the past, state standards were, and I quote, a mile wide and an inch deep. What exactly is meant by that statement? Well, uh, in the past, there was a, 
a, a, a list of standards for every grade level. A lot of them were re- repetitive year to year, um, and there were so many of them. It was like a, a, a huge grab bag, and the teacher had to figure out which of these standards are important, what should I prioritize, and, and how do I get at all this stuff. And the problems occurred in that most people threw their hands up. I can't do all this. You literally couldn't do it. it would, you'd have to have uh, 20 years of school to cover every standard. So um, teachers needed to prioritize, they needed to figure out what to do and how to do it and how to cover all this stuff. But, uh, most teachers, um, even even as of now, until they're adjusting to the Common Core, uh, have, have routinely said, well, how, you know, when it, we're, we're talking about in professional development, uh, how to get a higher order thinking in the classroom. The teachers say, well, how am I supposed to do that when I have all these standards to cover? Mm-hmm. I have all this curriculum. So the Common Core developers uh, took that into account, and they, they saw all the repetition in, in our standards, the way they were. Every year it was decimals and fractions, and, and you know, there's still, there's still need to do that, but, but not as much. Everything okay. was repetitive in the previous uh, standards. So now in the Common Core, they've, they've reduced the amount of repetition, and by doing so, they've allowed more time to more deeply cover some of the the content so that kids learn it more deeply and they don't just acquire a superficial knowledge because the teacher is every day doing a new standard. Okay. So Common Core allows the teacher to slow down and and really explore the mathematics with the kids, give them more time to, to, to work with the material, to find new ways of doing things. Now, this is part of the problem for the teachers. The teachers need to have the foundation of knowledge to go deeper with the kids. What are all these new strategies that, that you can use to add, subtract, multiply, and divide? How do you incorporate that into your lessons? And do you know, are you aware of all those strategies as a teacher? And mm-hmm. part now is that the teachers are catching up. They have to study more about their own content in order to go deeper with the kids. Okay. Now, uh, we're running out of time, so let me ask you uh, one last question. Uh, what are your thoughts concerning the development of high-stakes testing over the past few years? Uh, well, I, I, I w- I'd like to go back to, to one point relative to that, and okay. that is the state's mistake. And I had alluded to this, I didn't say it. The, the, I think their biggest mistake and my biggest criticism is that not only did they raise the rigor of the assessment, but they also raised the cut scores. So I had to get a certain uh, raw score on my test to be a level four in the past. Okay. So now they, they took the content, uh, the test assessment questions, made them harder so that if I was a level four, maybe I'd be a level three. But they okay. didn't just do that. They also raise the cut score. So now, not only is it harder, not only are the questions harder, but to get a four, I have to get more of them right. Okay. All right, Cliff, unfortunately, we've run out of time, and I would definitely like to have you back on in the future so we can um, uh, share more of this uh, vital information with my listeners. Uh, we have been speaking with Dr. Clifford Swayze, Director of Mathematics for the Uniondale Public Schools in New York. Cliff, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, John. I appreciate it.
That's all the time we have for today. Thank you for listening to Educate with Dr. Jefferson. Tune in next week as we continue to tackle the truth behind schoolhouse doors. Thank you.